0: Welcome back to another show here on MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. I'm Ryan Drury. I'll be joined as always by Clarkie and Steve Sabron. Loaded show as always as well. We try and do the best we can for you in terms of guests. And we've got two great ones on this week. Gord Stalick, former GM of the Maple Leafs and NHL Network Radio Morning Host. He'll jump on to talk about the Leafs. What, th- what should they add? What should some other teams maybe do with the trade deadline right around the corner? And also the scary situation going on in Vancouver. What could that mean? for the rest of the season up here in the North Division. We'll also chat with our buddy Ian Doig of the Ian Doig Golf Academy. He's down in Florida trying to qualify for the Chubb Classic. And, of course, we will talk about the opening round of the Masters with him. And at the end, we'll be joined, as always, by our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet.co. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co.
1: This is MWO
2: Sports.
0: Welcome to MWO Sports, brought to you by Coolbet.co, Ryan Dre, alongside Clarky and Steve Saburn. We're very pleased to be joined by friend of the show, returning friend of the show, I should say. Gord Stalic, former Maple Leafs GM and of course host on NHL Network's morning show. Gord, how you doing, buddy?
2: I am doing great. How are you guys doing?
0: We're doing very well. We're excited for the trade deadline. I mean, at least I think we are. I I hope there are some more trades. We've already seen one major deal between the Devils and Islanders, but let's start with the Maple Leafs. Obviously they are a, a hot topic. They continue to play well. Jack Campbell just broke a franchise record, 10 straight wins. I'll pose this to you right out of the gate because it's the hottest topic in the city. Assuming Freddie Anderson was healthy, completely healthy. And so was Jack Campbell. Tonight the playoffs start. Let's just say, who are you putting in
2: that? Uh, Michael Hutchinson. <laughs> uh, no, it would it would it would be Jack Campbell. It would be Jack Campbell. That's uh, you know, it's a great story. It's kind of like Tim Thomas to a degree. This guy was the first goaltender selected in his draft year, eleventh overall, and had some injuries, had some confidence issues, and um, just has it all together. So. He would be absolutely right now. But the best part is, like when the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup, Philip Grubauer started a few games early on, right? You're you're probably gonna need two goal, you, depth is key. You're gonna probably gonna need two goaltenders, you know, 8D, like whatever, 18 forwards, whatever the number may be, if you're gonna win those 16 playoff games.
3: I hope you're right, Gord, but I just have a feeling when Freddie's 100%, they're going to put him right back out there as the number one goalie. But maybe they'll rotate until the playoffs and see what happens. But Jack Campbell has been playing amazing. Like I saw today, it's been over, I can't remember, 300 and something days since he lost a game. Obviously set the record uh, uh, against Montreal Wednesday night for 10 straight. Why? What? Can this guy be a number one, I guess is my main question. To you.
2: Yeah, you know, Clark, it's funny because, you know, it goes way back to our fan days when Felix Potvin won nine in a row. This guy's already one year into it, broke a team record of an original 16 with the most consecutive wins. And and uh, so, first of all, let's talk about this season alone because I think the Leafs, without being in the Atlantic Division, you've got a great chance. You should you, – you've not won a playoff round in over 15 years, but you're expected to win two, okay? You're yep. expected to win two, get out of the Canadian Scotia North Division and move forward. So if you have two goaltenders that are doing it this year, that's great. If you have a Freddie option and a Jack Campbell option, that's great. But, Clarky, to your next point is, as has been discussed, like like Jack Campbell came on a nondescript, a lower-key trade deadline deal last year. Next year, he is signed for $1.65 million. Yeah. So right now, if Jack Campbell could be a number one, which he's proving right now he can be a number one, you have found the Zach Hyman money. You found the money to, yeah. to re-up Zach Hyman compared to the $5 million that Freddie was making. So I would think if all goes well, you'd re-up Jack Campbell for more money for down the road. But next year, business is business. You know, best case scenario, that's what you look at. But playoffs are playoffs. Whatever goaltender can do it, whatever can player, player can do it, the Leafs have simply not done it the last few years. They need people to step up.
3: And like, there's no way the Leafs want to make a trade for goalie. I wouldn't think, but it's got to hinge on Freddie's health. And because I, I wouldn't feel confident going in there. Just ask the Colorado Avalanche what it was like to play Michael Hutchison in the playoffs last year. Like, you can't. Michael
2: Hutchison, he's actually a nice guy, but you're right. You're right. I know, it's, but yeah, yeah, it, no, but you're right, Clark. If, you, if you're if you if you're trying to win the Stanley Cup, that's not going to cut it. And and so for the mm-hmm. Leafs right now, it started off with a top six forward. Is it Taylor Hall, Mike Hoffman, or someone else? Okay. That's the sexy, exciting pick. Then it goes, do we need Jonathan Bernier, who is hurt? I understand that now, but mildly, Anthony Stolarz, or do we do we need a depth body and goal? Now, Sheldon Keefe did respond to Chris Johnson's question the other night that they expect Freddie back, so he's not out for the season. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, my thing is, last year when Jake Muslin got hurt, it was like Nick Lindstrom got hurt. Like, seriously? Seriously. Yeah. Like, in the, in, in the antiseptic bubble where the Leafs showed no panache no jam no whatever so my thing is your d have been healthy this year they've really Mm -hmm. played well boy d get hurt quicker than any other position so i would be looking at and i've mentioned many times like zach bogosian was a great pickup for tampa bay last year like it it doesn't have to be a first round pick or second Mm -hmm. round pick Mm -hmm. for a uh, uh, you know, like Matias Ekholm or whatever Matias Ekholm drives. I think he's off the market now. But, it, but that kind of thing. So I I view that as a bigger priority. But certainly, you know, big name forward, depth on D, and I have no idea. You don't look at Freddie's like like Freddie's got a doctor's appointment. I'm like where's the doctor in Puerto Rico? Like I mean, I don't like don't they don't they have like guys that are assigned there? This is like killing me here. Like it's it, something's weird about Freddie.
3: Yeah, you're right. And we don't even know what's wrong with him, do we? No. no,
2: Nothing. No. We know he's pissed. We know he's pissed. And I'll tell yeah. you what he's pissed. He, you know, like, like I think when he got, had to address that Ottawa game and Michael Hutchison, you know, let the first, like, two shots in and Freddie had to play 58 minutes. Because he, I, I like that he, ignored I'm big on Freddie. I think I think Freddie has been great. Playoff Freddie, no, not so much. Playoff Leaf team, not so much. That's where Cujo and Eddie Balfour – you know, did it in the playoffs too. But mm-hmm. but Freddie alluded to in a world where you give nothing out injury-wise that he was hurt and he was pissed. And 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 so I I think there's some kind of soothing of the waters on top of everything else.
4: Uh, Gord, what do you think of uh, the two-way play of Austin Matthews? Uh, I was watching that game the other night, and that third goal when uh, Hyman scored, Matthews dug it out deep in his zone, zone, able to get it ed- out in. Push the puck forward, but um, that's got to be a key point going the rest of the way.
2: You know, it's funny, Steve. Like chatting with Bruce Boudreau on our, our morning show uh, this morning. Usually, morning shows are in the morning, but anyway, um, you just, you know, and it came about hard trophy because I, I, like, like I'm big on the, it's a funny caveat. The hard trophy most valuable to his team, and I got nothing against Connor McDavid at all. What, who would not want Connor McDavid on his team? I'm more looking with Nathan McKinnon, is doing with Colorado, but Bruce brought up about Austin Matthews with Toronto and how he's improved his two-way game, how he's improved everything else. And 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 you're right, Steve. It's it, it's like, you know, I, I've been around the Leafs for a long time. Clarky. you have two, You guys have, have as well. And since he won the Stanley Cup, the only mystique guy was Boreasami. They were a great guy. I mean, Daryl Sittler, Doug Gilmore, Wendell Clark, Matt Sundin, Hall of Famers, some of them. But it just like that like Boria was the only mystique guy. Austin's a mystique guy. Like we 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 have a mystique guy in Toronto right now. It's really neat. Like we got the leading goal scorer in the league. We got this guy that that if if you had to buy a ticket, and wouldn't it be great if fans are back there? That you know that that's what you would really pay to see. So uh, I I love, I don't know what the risk situation was, but obviously it put him off a little bit. But you see him back on track and and wow. Like we're so fortunate in Toronto to be able to watch that.
0: Absolutely right, Gord. I mean, he's a freak of nature. I mean, it's just not very often that guys like that come around that can score goals like he does. And as a matter of fact, since he came in the league, he leads the league in even strength goals. So there's something to be said for that. I want to ask you a little bit about what's going on in Vancouver right now. And it's a terrible situation with the Canucks. But just beyond obviously how it's affecting their team which is you know the most important thing and and the the team's families as well with this covid situation i wonder just how much it could potentially affect things like Hart Trophy voting, even something maybe like the Rocket Richard. Because if if the Leafs and other teams in the North Division lose a couple games that they're still slated to play against Vancouver, I mean, how might that uh, affect voting, in your opinion? And, And also, I wonder, do you think it's even plausible or sensible at this point to even have the Canucks try and come back and play, period?
2: Yeah. You know, Ryan, the voting, I mean, we as media members, whoever votes do it. So I I really can't speak for them, but I would hope that if, okay, for argument's sake, whomever is going for a trophy plays three or four less games that you would uh, be able to just judge and mm-hmm. make the best po- possible judgment possible. Um, it's funny. And, and Clark, you know, Elliot Friedman's, you know, cut his teeth at the fan way back when, and, you know, he just mentions that the worst COVID situation was Buffalo, and you look what happened to Buffalo. You know about guys actually being sick uh, until Vancouver, and you know. So first on the hockey side, now first on the COVID side, we got to be careful because let's wait and see what happens. And I know there's uh, there's really human stories, a- 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 and they have to be told about you know having young kids and 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 the perils of it, and not wanting to go on road trips and everything, but also. It's more about who really gets sick versus who's asymptomatic. And I'm not, I'm not diminishing that because the next step is do they get, when do they get back to play? The NHL is prepared, like, you know, with nothing being dire health wise, but saying, Hey, you gotta, you gotta ice a team with half of an American hockey league team. Like the Toronto Raptors have basically done that. And some other NBA teams have done that, you know, you know, uh, throughout this NBA season. But, you know, it's funny, Ryan, I I'm sort of looking back at the bubble and the bubble was such a false environment. It was just, you know, so out of whack in the summer, a bubble myriad of things. And you, you know, quite often the summer or the off season of a team, if you have a good playoff run, you go, Hey, we've turned the corner. And then by the 10th game, you go, no, we didn't really turn the corner. I don't know why. (laughs) And then you got like Tampa Bay, a couple of years ago, they get, they get waxed by Columbus in the first round and they had to say, Okay, we're taking all kinds of crap now. Let's stay the course. We got a good team. The bubble was had so many elements to it. So you got Washington, St. Louis, Boston, all had horrible experiences. And two of the three of them, Boston and Washington, have bounced back. And I look at Calgary and Daryl Sutter now. Like Calgary, you know, they're in the bubble, and Mark Shifley and Patrick Landing get hurt in the first period they're playing against them. And they think they're a better team than they are. And you know, and, and they they rinse their coach and they move on. And Vancouver went the deepest of any Canadian-based team, and they've got a lot of great young talent. But you know what? They weren't there. They're they're not where they thought they were. Just like on the negative side, the Toronto Malays against Columbus. Like, guys, were you like, were you, were you disinterested in coming to summer hockey camp or something? Like, it, it, like, it, like that, that's what bugs people now. Is going like like nobody really showed up. I don't. I know they lost in five. They won two games, and so I think that's been hockey-wise. a a big problem in Vancouver. So whatever is going moving forward right now, they've been out of the playoffs and they've been spiraling, spiraling in the wrong direction. So, you know, if it comes down to percentage, they did that last year. It was percentage, not just points in deciding what teams went in an expanded playoff. Then, you know, so be it. The Canadian North division, the Scotia North division may start a week later than the other ones, but that's what COVID world is all about.
3: You know, the Leafs have four games left against Vancouver. And you would think, well, that should be four wins. But the last couple of times they played them, they lost. But it just shows you how sensitive this issue is, doesn't it, Gore? Because like when I heard William Nylander was out because of COVID protocol the other day, I'm like, if this screws up this season, I'm going to be really upset. But it's just, it's so sensitive and like it can just turn on a dime. And, and uh, just, I just hope everyone is so safe and, and really careful what they're doing.
2: Yeah, you know, Clarky. right after because of the Vancouver situation there, the game yesterday was a little bit in doubt for a bit. And and then the NHL went back to what they've been doing and, they, and they've been doing it right. We've yeah. heard a number of games throughout the league that were a little bit in peril during the afternoon. And then they, you know, they kind of really looked at it. And I don't quite know all the William Neal story, story, mm-hmm. uh, but going down the rabbit hole, I don't want to go totally down the rabbit hole. But it sounds like, you know, he was he, he was exposed to someone who tested positive. He tested negative whatever. So in the protocol of the NHL, mm-hmm. they removed him, but they, they, they did not have to cancel the game. And, and Vancouver, like we're learning more and more about, you know, somebody kind of violated what you're supposed to, you're not supposed to be in a social environment. Like if one player went to a restaurant sounds harmless, we know probably we would be tempted to do, do it. But I know I talked to Michael Delzato, for example, in Columbus, like in the States. And he just said, like it's wide open here, but we gotta re- we gotta act like we're in a bubble. And he's in the states; like he can mm-hmm. go all these places. Like in Canada, we have more restrictions that way. And I guess it's just kind of reinforcing if you're going to, because the NHL got, got caught a lot, got cut a lot of slack by the different health agencies. You know, you got you got to be the league that says, "Hey, four Russian players play a card game in Washington's Capitals team in someone's room." Yeah, you're all. You're all out, you know, right now, because you, mm-hmm. you simply can't do that. Now, the caps went on one every game, but I mean, you, you got to treat it really seriously because you're, you're you're getting a lot of leeway from certain government agencies.
3: You know, you talked about staying the course in the Tampa Bay Lightning, what they did, and then eventually winning. You know, the Leafs before their 8-0-1 role were 1-6, and things weren't looking good. How hard is it, Gord, as a former GM, to to just say, you know what, we have a good team, let's not panic, because like the fans, I was saying, you know, they got to fix this, they got to make a trade, they got to do something. Uh, obviously, that's why I'm a fan and not a general manager, but how hard would it be?
2: Well, you gotta appreciate the fans. Uh, you gotta love the fans, and that's part of being a fan because back then, Clark, you know that William Nealander was out of town, the goaltending was out of town, whatever it may be. And that's part of being passionate about it. But and, and and that's why if you're a general manager, in particular, and you know, it goes one, you know, it's it goes one step further because Kyle Kyle's a young GM, but talking to Brendan Shanahan, who's once down Stanley Cups, and I've been in a couple of functions with him. I've been involved with pre-COVID, of course, but and he'll say to people and they're getting impatient fans and he goes i know it's not sexy but you just go back at it next year
3: mm.
2: and you know he's been through that right and actually ultimately won Stanley Cups but you know so he always he always believes in that so don't don't first of all nobody reads the papers anymore that's not a shot at the writers i love reading the papers but as far as don't let this stuff get in your head just you know keep in context that you got these passionate fans and whatever and and stay the course if what you believe is truly the right course to stay.
4: And lots of other races going on, Gord, uh, just keeping track this week. Uh, Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Florida in quite the battle. Um, Like, where did that come about? Carolina and Florida flexing their muscles a little bit?
2: Yeah, you know, Steve, it's funny because um, it seems right now of the four divisions, I always said, The uh, the Scotia North, the Canadian division, uh, there's seven teams. Ottawa is doing a decent rebuild this year. So four teams will make the playoffs. Two will be really pissed off. The organization, the fans, you name it. And I thought that would be the biggest battle. And right now it seems like that's almost like the have and the have-nots right now. It almost seems like that's decided. And then you bring up the battle going on like the Florida Panthers from game number one and they were number one in the league point wise the other day. And, and, you know, they lost Barkov, Hornquist, and Eckblad and Eckblad still out, obviously, but, and they continue to win games. So, you know, it's phenomenal that way. The Carolina Hurricanes, the un- most underrated guy in the NHL to me is Donnie Waddell. What he's done with Carolina before Rod Brindamore with a difficult owner, but an owner that he can handle. And, you know, sometimes these low key guys are better that way. And, that's an exciting playoff race, like every other division. You have really exciting playoff races for that fourth, or maybe the third and fourth final playoff position. You really don't have in the Canadian division unless Calgary wins like eight in a row, or Winnipeg, or excuse me, Vancouver comes back and wins a ton. So you're, the Florida Panthers totally caught me by surprise, and you know every time you think they're going to, they're, there's going to be a lull, there isn't. It's quite the opposite.
0: Yeah, Joel Quenville. Hey, coaching can really make a difference, and he's one of the best of all time. We're chatting with former Maple Leafs GM and host in the mornings on NHL Network Radio, Gord Stalick. Gord, uh, I, I referenced this earlier, trade deadline very near, and we have seen a major trade. Obviously, the Islanders using that LTIR space that they get from their captain, Anders Lee, being out. They bring in uh, Paul Mary, and they bring in Jack. obviously two guys that Lou is very familiar with, uh, but two guys that I think really... Really fit the style of play for their team. And when you look at a trade like that for an Islanders team that are very sneaky good, let's not forget they went to the conference finals last year in that bubble. When you look at a trade like that, and then we shift our focus over to the Leafs and and I'm sure that they probably will or, or want to do something. What sort of trade would benefit the Leafs the most? Another goaltender for, for goaltending insurance depth, if you want to call it that, like you said earlier. Another defenseman. Lots to talk about a top six forward. Who is out there, if you can identify one player, that you would want the Leafs to go get?
2: Well, you know, Ryan, you know, it's funny. I, I kid about it. So Lou Lamorello Lou and I became general manager at the same time. And I, I always say... Um, we came at the same time. Our careers are very similar, except he lasted 35 years longer. And, um, so I, 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 love, and I, and I, and I, I, I miss him in Toronto cause I'd have lunch with him a couple of times mm. a year about different things. And I always kidded about the J. Pandolfo syndrome because if we get these J. Pandolfo guys that stats suck, but in the playoffs, you know, you, you need the J. Pandolfos and, 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 and that's the kind of, that's the kind of trade he made. So, we go back to it and we discussed it earlier about the, I, I still like, so it's funny. Kyle Dubas was asked the question. First of all, zoom call sucks. Like you can't get, you know, like, like it's like you you get limited access to GMs and coaches yet the media now is saying you got to you got to shine, sign Mark Shapiro, Shapiro and Ross Atkins. Like, what do we care? Like, what do we, I, let's, let's us get five-year extensions. Like seriously, I, I, it's a weird world now. So anyway, Yeah. So uh, in the sense that Kyle Dubas was asked the question, would you give up a prospect a first round pick? And he goes, boom, yes, I would. So everyone is, but yeah, yes, I would for the right deal. Right. Mm -hmm. So we kind of saw in the Palmieri and Zajac deal that for expiring contracts, it's still not crazy money. Really. It was just that first round pick and that first round pick will be a late first round pick. So the point being like, I, I, I don't know. I, it got people thinking we're, we're going to get like Connor McDavid. I don't I don't know what they thought in Toronto, but, but so the sexy one is, I don't know if they viewed Taylor Hall or Mike Hoffman as kind of guys that want to go to a better situation up your top two lines. But my thing is whether it's a John Merrill or somebody, you got to get the D you have to get hmm. another defenseman in my, like, like that's the most to me dire thing. Like, it's funny. You guys remember when Chicago, like they won a Stanley cup, when they uh, had 3D and they put team in and out for about eight seconds at a time, remember that? You know, like what if the faceoff offensive zone and they try to give someone a break? You know, and and they were able to do it, but but very few teams have that kind of D that they can do that. And I, I and to me, because this, like I said, this is a year. This is, you swing for the fences. This next year, you wake up in the Atlantic Division. You got Tampa Bay. You got Boston. You got more difficulties getting out of there. This is one where there's a really like that, you own the road to the final four. You own the road, so you do. You do all three of those things: top six forward, uh, a depth D, and a depth goaltender. If you're worried about Freddie, but the depth D for me is my biggest concern.
3: And everyone, well, a lot of the experts in the media are saying this is a buyer's market. The, the teams want it. There's a lot more sellers than there are buyers. And they and if that's the case, and the Leafs have the opportunity, uh, they they need to load up, in my opinion. Do you think it's a buyer's market out there right now?
2: Well, it flipped it a bit, Karki. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's funny. It flipped a bit with Nashville's change in status, because Nashville would have been a very intriguing buyer yeah. like, with quality. Yeah. You know, and that's where I'll use Matthias Ekholm. I'll use Ricard Raquel, who's still out there, as an example, like, you know, it was kind of like what 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 Tampa Bay did with Blake Coleman. So if you get somebody with one year left on the contract, it's like threefold. Mm-hmm. So you get two runs at it rather than one. That's yep. significant, right? You're you're sure. swinging for the fences. You get an extra swing at it, and generally, it's it's at a team friendly deal. So you're uh, you you know you you next year it's not going to salary cap wise it's not going to be a problem. And in, in this era of the flat cap. You know that's that's another significant measure that way. So mm-hmm. it's uh it it it's it's interesting about the buyers and sellers. You know, San Jose Sharks like they should be a seller. You know, I I, I are the Columbus Blue Jackets a seller?
3: Well, like, Nick Foligno, you know, what do you think of Nick? Yeah,
2: well, see, you know, one thing, Clarky is like if if you're going to do this, if you're Columbus, Doug Waite and a few others, but Doug Waite did it one year with St. Louis go somewhere take a run at it and and if if you truly are love Columbus sign mm-hmm. back with Columbus right their issue is they got to sell their season ticket holders on having a chance like they're they're not they're not the canadian based teams and the, mm-hmm. and the top market so it's a different animal there but you know if you if that that's another option like i don't know hey you know, give them a chance to go somewhere and if you really believe It's a great marriage in columbus well after july 1st you know figure it out and do it that way but uh like like he would be the creme de la creme to me of the kind of names that are out there i agree
0: I agree as well. Uh, Gord, we really appreciate you doing this. Final question from me, uh, just in regards to Edmonton, one of the teams that's really going to push the Leafs down the way here. And they had a bit of a shaky start, but they've really turned it around. Mike Smith has turned the clock back. He is playing incredible. What's something that they really need in terms of contending? And there's been some whispers about potential feelers out there for a Taylor Hall return. You brought him up earlier. I'm sure Buffalo would love to trade him for something at this point and retain probably half his salary. Would you support that? Do you think Edmonton bringing Taylor Hall back would be a good move for them?
2: Hey, Ryan, Taylor Hall won a heart trophy. Like, it's yep. like all of us what's your best moment in life, which is not accurate? And what's your lowest moment in life, which is also not accurate in defining yourself, right? And Taylor Hall right now is in his lowest professional moment in hockey life. I, I would take Taylor Hall in a heartbeat, any team. So if it was Edmonton, yes. Uh, Darnell Nurse finally, you know, like like really killing it as a D. It's unfortunate. Clef Bomb has the surgery because they've, they've lacked those other components along the way. But, you know, uh, like Ken Holland, the best deal. Like, he goes to and K- hey, hey, Ken Holland, hey, he won Stanley Cups in Detroit. But, like, they haven't told him they're doing a rebuild and they already have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisidel as established NHLers. Like, oh my god, you kidding me? That's a like, that's a rebuild that you're building on top of a mansion. Like, you get a mansion, you're gonna read really whatever. Like, give me a break. So if you want to call it a rebuild, that's fine. But you got, you got unbelievable. You, you may arguably have the two best players in the NHL. I don't agree with that, but two of the top five, whatever they may be. Mm -hmm. But, but the other part is like, I, I, like, I think Taylor Hall, like, like, look at the Buffalo situation. And I really, I I really, on the upside, I believe Buffalo will bounce back in a decent way next year, as long as they get decent goaltending. I think Linus Allmark, if he stayed put, will give them decent goaltending this horror that they're they're not as bad as they indicate right now but anyway i would take taylor hall if i'm edmonton or anybody else in a heartbeat
0: maybe my washington capitals can go get him i'd be happy with that hey, gord we really appreciate hey, uh, that
3: uh, i was gonna ask he's got his augustus shirt on i know the radio audience can't yes. see that but the masters is on ian doig our buddy is coming up next to talk to the masters did you watch today gord are you impressed with justin roses uh at first round Larky, a couple of Canadians, right? Mackenzie, at
2: even Park. Corey Connors, a plus yeah. one. I guess. I guess got my uh, hometown you know, here. I went. I went three years ago, and like, like we're older, and um, I'm going to rub it in the nose of anybody that never got a chance to go. When you get older, there's very few things mm. that are bigger than your expectations. And it was like being a kid at Disney World. Like it, it, it was, you know. So now I'm really sucking up to the guy that has the passes, but he hasn't been able to go for two years, right? That was son in laws are back here too. I got a lot of issues here. I don't know if I'll get to go again, but anyway, and it was Patrick Reed. One, he's a jerk, whatever. Yeah. But but uh, but it, it was like what a like like if you're ever fortunate to be able to go, and mine was just extenuating circumstances, last minute go. But uh, um, yeah, I don't know, Clarky. It's funny. I I I, I love back in November talk. You know Wayne Gretzky. We we had him on NHL morning. Uh, we had him on NHL morning skate. Uh, after a couple of days after Dustin Johnson won, and he said the Orders won all four Stanley Cups at home, they won them all at home. He said it was the first time he got to go on a plane, and it was fun being on the plane with his son in law, and he won the Masters. Like it sounds weird, right? And they yeah, all yeah. And, and 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 that, so it's just just, just interesting, you know, the, the magnitude of that. But uh, I, I'm gonna watch it, and uh, I'm not gonna handicap it so much, but I'm gonna cheer for the Canadians. Very good.
0: Absolutely. We will, too. Uh, our friend Gord Stellick, former Maple Leafs GM and morning host on NHL Network Radio. Buddy, we really appreciate you doing this. We're excited for trade deadline day, and we're excited to see what the Leafs do. Thanks for doing
2: this. Ryan, Steve, Clarkie, always a pleasure. Absolutely. Like
0: Clarkie mentioned, we'll be right back with our golf expert, Ian Doig of the Ian Doig Golf Academy, to talk about the opening day of the Masters right here on MWO Sports, brought to you by
1: CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports.
0: Welcome back to NWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. We thank our friend Gord Stelic of NHL Network Morning Radio for joining us in the previous segment. Ryan Drury still alongside Clarkie and Steve Saburn. We're very pleased to be joined by a friend of the show, returning guest. What's this? Your 10th, 11th time on the show, Ian Doig from the Ian Doig Golf Academy from sunny
5: Florida. Doigie, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on again. What's yeah, going on in Florida? It. Well, I'm down here trying to qualify for the Champions Tour event this week, the Chubb Classic. Beautiful. So i see it up tomorrow morning. and. Got to put a good one together and see what happens.
0: Well, we'll be rooting for you. And of course, we're rooting for our buddy Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes, of course. And hey, Mike Weir's out there still hacking it around as well. Our three Canadian friends. But let's talk about the opening round of the Masters overall. Justin Rose jumps out to a monstrous lead. I mean, he just had an unbelievable day hacking apart Augusta National. He is at seven under. And then there's a tie at second where it's Matsuyama and, and uh, Harmon who who are tied at three under. So Justin Rose ending day one with a four-stroke lead, Doigie. What was it about the way he played today that allowed him to do that?
5: Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, it was really funny. on the. He, he was two over par going into the eighth hole today and got a very a great bounce on his second shot on the par five. His ball was three feet from going left and down into the trees and into more trouble. But it bounced right. Caught the corner of the mound, kicked down by the hole, and he made the putt for Eagle. And from that point on, he was flawless, absolutely flawless, played a great round of golf. And I like the position he's in now because he he played late today. He has an early tee time tomorrow. There's supposed to be a little more humidity in the air. Greens might be a little softer in the morning. He could really, if he carries on the momentum, he could really distance himself from the field.
3: You know, while I was watching him today on 15, I think the par five and, you know, us elite players, we can shape shots however we want, right, Doggy? But yeah. uh, he he was pretty much down the middle of the fairway and he tried to cut it or do a draw into the, into the green and he just hung it out to the right. Why do guys, when they're in position like that, just don't go straight at it? Is it just feel? Is it like, that's my shot? Because he left it like 15 yards to the right in the bunker. Of course, he birdied the hole anyway, but... What what goes through a golfer's mind in that position instead of just going straight at the pin?
5: Well, a couple of things. First of all, he made a great bunker shot to get Oh, that. it was yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. phenomenal. But yeah. what we can't see on the telecast is that fairway slopes right to left where he was. Hmm. So the ball's a little a bit above his, his feet. And when the ball is above our feet, we tend to pull the ball so it'll work right to left. So he was trying to aim it just inside the bunker line and then just left the face open a little bit, and that's why it caught the bunker. Mm. He was trying to turn that over. He just didn't pull it off. That's Mm. all.
4: Uh, Any surprises today that uh, you noticed in the first round?
5: You know what? Uh, I wouldn't call it a surprise, but uh, Brian Harmon. Uh, Brian Harmon's in the hunt because he's a great putter. He doesn't hit it very far. So as long as the golf course stays hard and firm and fast, I think Brian Harmon could be right there in the hunt right till the end. He's played well recently. He finished, uh, I think, third at the TPC. He made it to the quarterfinals or semifinals of the match play. So he's been playing well. Uh, if we get the rain that they're talking about, that will really hurt his chances. That would be the one big surprise that jumped out for me. A couple of the other guys, I mean, Zalatoris, this kid is just unbelievable. So I, I expect him to have a long and, and very lucrative career. The Boy, he can flat play. I mean he's really good um and then after that you know you always have in the masters somebody that you really haven't heard of in the opening round has a great round and i think that leads to is comes from the adrenaline and the anxiousness and i wanting to be at the masters you know maybe it's their first time and you get excited i mean driving down magnolia lane is absolutely you know the hair stands up in the back of your neck when
3: you arrive it's crazy hey is the course playing firmer than usual? It seemed pretty hard today.
5: Yeah, very, very firm. They EY. haven't had much rain. They haven't had much rain. Okay. And 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 the golf course, they, I mean, just looking at the coloring of the greens, mm-hmm. that's typically what they look like on Sunday afternoon, and they're looking like that on Thursday, and even Thursday morning they were brown and firm looking. You know, the chip shot that uh, that Corey had on uh, thirteen, where he ended up making the double bogey. He was going along very nicely up until that point in time, very solid round of golf. And, uh, you know, he hung his second shot out to the right, again, off of a hanging lie, expecting to probably pull it left into the middle of the green, and he hung it out to the right, went in the water, and then he chipped it over the green. And then the next chip he had was very delicate, and he chipped it, you know, 20 feet past and two-putted for the double. So the greens are very, very firm, and it is tough to get the ball close to the hole.
3: Have you been there? With friend. Oh, go ahead. Right, I was just going to, have you been, to, I know you've been to Augusta, but have you been there as a patron watching the masters? Uh, I have. And would yeah. you follow, I'm just curious, would you follow a group or would you sit and perch and watch a hole?
5: I've and done wide. both. Okay. Um, you know, uh, the last time I was there, I took my high speed camera with me and I, mm. uh, during the practice rounds, I popped down on the 17th tee and I videotaped every player that played in the tournament. I've wow. uh, Billy videotaped their swing so I have it down the line. Mm. Um but you know depending on who I'm, who I'm with they they want to see the other parts of the golf course. Mm. You know, I've been fortunate enough that I've got to play it, so mm. been there done that type of thing, although it is still exciting to go back.
3: Yeah.
0: Chatting with our friend Ian Doig at the Ian Doig Golf Academy. He's down in Florida trying to qualify for the Chubb Classic. And, of course, we wish him luck. Uh, Doigie, I want to talk to you about Corey and his opening round. You touched on it a little bit there. He had a little bit of difficulty on some holes. I thought his opening nine was very good. He was solid. But like you said, he ran into some difficulties in the latter half of his round. And he could easily, without those I don't want to go so far as to call them mistakes. Um, he could easily, without those, though, probably be about two under. He's one over, and he's tied for 20th. Mackenzie Hughes just a little bit ahead of him. He's even par tied for 13th. Overall, both of those Canadian guys, what did you make of their opening round, and where can they improve on the course?
5: I thought they both played very well. I looked at Mackenzie, uh, watched him play a little bit, and looked at his card and stats. Very solid. A couple birdies, a couple bogeys. Uh, on Augusta on a day like today, that's very, very good. Um, hasn't played himself out of the tournament for sure. Um, in good shape going into the next three days. Uh, again, Corey, again, very solid other than one hole. When you think about it, you know, he, he made the seven on the, on the 13th hole and, and he had an iron in his hand for his second shot. So if he pulls that iron shot off and gets it in the middle of green and two putts for birdie, all of a sudden the, the score looks a lot different. I'm not worried about them at all. Uh, I'm looking at the scores here. Uh, other than Justin Rose, you, you have 52 players within six shots of the lead right now. Mm-hmm. So, anybody going as far down as three or four over park can win this. And it depends on how they play tomorrow. And if they get the rain they're talking about, even the guys that play in the afternoon where it typically gets windier and firmer, if they get the rain, the golf course won't be as firm. And anybody can shoot a low score, get themselves right back in it. Um, you know, even somebody like Rory that's. Way back, right? I could see him coming back into the tournament. It's got
4: to be a different feeling with the Masters, too, uh, with, with no Tiger in it. Um, you know, as we, you know, wish Tiger well to get better, um, but it, it's got to be a different feeling without him in the field.
5: Well, if you just listen to the other players talk about him not being there and how they miss him, of course it is. Um, and You know, for this generation of players, so since 1997 when Tiger won for the first time, Tiger is synonymous with the Masters. You know, for me, it was Jack Nicklaus was synonymous synonymous with the Masters. But everybody, when you think about the Masters today and the green jacket being put on, you think about Tiger. You know, he's either had it put on himself or he's been putting it on somebody, what, eight times now? So, you know, in the last 20-some years, that's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah they miss him the tournament misses him. and uh yeah we just hope that, you know that he can, can heal up and be able to come back and play
3: about the oh sorry go, go ahead Clarky. I just want to ask a little bit more about your um qualifying for the champions tour down there uh, in Florida um what course are you playing and where do you have to finish and have you played the course before dogie Uh, We're playing a golf course called Stony Brook,
5: which is in Estero, Florida, just north of Naples. I played three practice rounds already this week. Um, So I've got a feel for the golf course. Uh, Depending on what the wind does tomorrow, it can play very, very difficult. Hmm. Thank God we're not playing the back tees because it's 7,300 and change from back there. Hmm. There's one par three that's 271 over water, but I know we're not playing the back tee. Thank God. Uh, that would be, I'd be ripping a driver at that one. <laughs> so, um, you know what, there's 114 players and I have to finish in the top five tomorrow. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a daunting task, but if I can play well, um, mm-hmm. hit the ball, like I have been since I've been down here, I've been down here uh, a little more than a week. And if I can continue to swing the way I have been, uh, you know what, it's doable. And that's all I'm asking for is a chance. How many Canadians would be down there? Actually, quite a few. Uh, Let's see, we have Dennis Hendershot, Alan McLean, myself, um, David Moreland's already in the next qualifier. Um, And there's a couple others I can't think off the top of my head. I think there's probably half a dozen here. Nice. That was what
0: I wanted to ask you about, Doigie. So, Clarkie, uh, well Sorry. done there. Great great <laughs> minds think alike. I, I would like to ask you this, Doigie. Uh, The Masters, it's always such a fun time of year. Uh, we love rooting for Corey here, obviously, and, and watching Mackenzie Hughes and, and DJ and Kepka, all the big names, uh, really anybody but Patrick Reed. And uh, I, I'm curious, though. There's been a lot of talk lately uh, up here in the media about you know all-time flops at the Masters, whatever you want to call it choke jobs, whatever. Uh, the guys on Overdrive always like bringing up Greg Norman, uh, the the old great white shark. What, in your opinion, you've golfed for a long time and you've watched golf for a long time, been around the game more than any of us combined. Uh, what is the greatest golf meltdown of all time, in your opinion, that you remember
5: watching? Maybe you were there in person. Um, well, you know, the, the Norman one at, at Augusta, uh, when Nick Faldo won, certainly comes to mind. Um, I happened to be in the area. I was actually playing on the nationwide tour at the time, and we had a tournament in uh, South Carolina. And uh, so, you know, very close proximity. And it was I was playing on the on the Sunday, so never got to watch any of the golf. And when when it finished and I saw that he had lost, it was quite surprising. Um, but uh, probably for me, it would be Jean Vandeveld at the Open Championship uh, at Carnoustie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, if, if I had been his caddy, I would have taken the driver, the three wood, the two iron, the three iron, the four iron and the five iron out of his bag when he got to the 18th tee and left him with a six and a seven iron to play the hole, because all he really did needed to do was hit seven iron, seven iron, and seven iron, and he would have won the golf tournament. So John Vandenberg, um, and I actually played a bit of golf with John back in Asia, mm-hmm. Japan on the Asian tour back in the eighties and early nineties. And. So that was a little gut-wrenching for me. We had hung out and had a few beers over the years. And, and uh, you know, I've got to see him since then. And, uh, you know what, it, it I think it scarred him. I think it left a, a big scar. And, and his career has mm-hmm. not been the same ever since. Uh, mm-hmm. He did come up and play in Canada on a couple of Canadian tour events Uh Uh, after that. And I was able to see him and and have lunch with him then, but uh, definitely changed his career path for sure.
0: Good luck in your qualifying. We want to hear about how you're doing. We'll be rooting you on just like we're rooting on Corey, of course, here in Listowel. Uh, We really appreciate this as always, buddy. Uh, Good luck in the tournament and stay safe.
5: Thanks guys. We really appreciate you having me on as always. And uh, we'll keep in touch and I'll let you know how I do tomorrow absolutely can't wait to hear
0: all right we'll take one last quick break here on the show when we come back as always our wagering expert chris abbott from Coolbet. we will of course be talking mostly about the masters stay tuned here on mwo sports brought to you by coolbet.co
1: this is mwo sports
0: Welcome back to wrap things up here on MWO sports brought to you by CoolBet for the week, Ryan Jury, Clarkie and Steve and joined as always by our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. Abbott. How you doing buddy?
1: I'm good. I'm good boys. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I know I keep talking about it, but a year ago we, um, you know, we had nothing and now it seems every sport is happening. You, you name it. Um, you know, the champions league, we've got, uh, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball. The Final Four just wrapped up.
0: Let's move on to the baseball world. And uh, just in general, I'd like your opinion, uh, Abbott, on on teams that you like betting on so far. We're about a week into the season. The Jays look fun so far anyway, when Tanner Roark's not on the bump anyway. Uh, So they've been fun to watch. Vladdy's off to a good start and all that. I want your opinion on the Houston Astros, though. Obviously, they're a really good team, and that pains me to say it. But the other day, Dusty Baker, who, of course, took over for AJ J. Hinch, after the cheating scandal, uh, came out the other day and said he's upset and he's a little hurt that fans, now that they're back in ballparks, are are picking on his his Astros. Um, now, of course, only four members of that cheating team are still there: Bregman, Correa, Altuve, and the fourth one escapes me right now. But he's Gurriel. a little upset. Yes, Gurriel, Yuli U- Gurriel. He's a little sad and disheartened poor Dusty, who, to his credit, is a really great guy, uh, that people are, are still angry at the team. And I don't know if you saw it the other night. It was so picturesque. A guy in, I believe, L.A. threw a blow-up garbage can onto the field, and it landed right in front of a sign that said, No, the signs. It was <laughs> picturesque. Uh, your opinion on that overall as a sports fan, he says they've been punished enough which is a joke. That's where he made a mistake. Your opinion on that just as a sports fan and your opinion on them in general and, and the baseball scene so far in terms of gambling?
1: Uh, sure. So let me start with the gambling question. I think they're being undervalued on money lines early on. I, I actually mm. was quite surprised to see the price you could get on this Astros team that is still very, very, very good on the baseball field. Um, how I feel as a as a sports uh, observer about them getting booed and Dusty's feelings too bad dusty like you guys got to wear this one as long as as long as it happens like um you were caught um using you know um electronics and uh, i don't know if altuve was really wearing a buzzer i mean that would be that would be the <laughs> ultimate but yes you know you were caught um doing more than you know rely relaying signs from second base um Did other teams also do it? Probably, but they didn't do it on and win a world series. Well, maybe they did uh, and get caught. So listen, the fans have every right to do what they're doing. I enjoyed it. I can go watch their first and first couple of games of the year. You know, a few guys got hit with pitches and listen, that's going to happen. They, they did not get punished enough, frankly. Uh, most guys got away scot-free. So, uh, yeah, everything they get is well-deserved. I think he's trying to protect his team or whatever, and it's probably going to get old. But you know what? It's like, it's like the bully. If you ignore the bully, he goes away. If you just ignore the, the fans booing it, they'll give it up eventually. But don't get in your feelings, Dusty Baker.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, really quick. Let's talk about NHL trade deadline. It's fast approaching. We're excited to see what maybe the Leafs do and the other Canadian teams as well. I'm excited to see what Ovi and the boys maybe latch on to as well as a Caps fan. Uh, what can we expect in terms of betting on CoolBet bet for NHL trade deadline day? Are there any trade deadline specific bets that people can look into?
1: Yeah, we'll have some props up. Our, our guys are working on them right now. It'll be, you know, over under number of trades on, on the actual trade deadline day. Um, you know, where certain guys who are left come Monday, where their destination will be, things like that. Um, they're, they're right now just trying to get a feel for the early trades coming in. Like, obviously, uh, Kyle Palmieri, is a big piece, is off the board. So, um, that you know, that's something we're going to monitor as we go forward. If any other big names get traded, uh, you know, that'll, that'll shape the number come Monday. But we'll have some... We'll have some offerings there for sure. And, and I think the New York Islanders made a huge splash. I think uh, Travis Ajak yes. will be a very, very uh, underrated addition for this team, the way they play going into the playoffs. Um, and especially after losing Anders Lee for the season, uh, getting Kyle Palmieri to replace that goal scoring is absolutely huge. I don't think you can quite replace the type of player that Anders Lee is because he has a bit of an edge and obviously he's their captain and, and he has goal scoring ability as well. But I think they've done a good job addressing that. And I think that puts them at the top of that division, if you're asking me. The Capitals, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about their goaltending. Um, They're a little bit long in the tooth. um, But they're going to be right there. I think this trade certainly cements Islanders and Caps 1A and 1B. Um, Boston, with all the injuries they're dealing with, uh, I think they're going to eventually fall behind there in that division. Uh, Rangers, Penguins, uh, not really worried about them. I'd be worried about the Rangers in in a year or two, though. I really like what they're doing. So... Uh, when it comes to the Maple Leafs, I don't know that they need to add a whole, whole lot. I mean, they've got a pretty good thing going on there. Um, if they had maybe another guy that could play top nine, you know, and play in the bottom six, but but be able to fill in up top when need be. Um, that engvall of line, I mean, they, those guys can skate like the wind, but I mean, they might as well play without sticks, the two of them. So. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think Toronto looks really good though. Like and the way they're playing the game defensively is is the is the hallmark, right? Like the Jack Campbell story has been awesome, but he hasn't done it by himself. And um this team's defense and penalty killing, which is not something we've lauded the Maple Leafs for in a long long time, um has been really impressive to me. So i yeah, uh, looking the, forward
3: to see what they do. More uh, impressive than the power play, that's for sure.
1: Have yeah, the odds pulled you yeah. down for them Chris for the uh for the Leafs? What are the odds look They're like? Yeah, they're a co-favorite at about plus 500, plus 550 with Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay is a little bit overrated. I don't think they're going to be the team to come out of that division, to be honest with you. Um, I think right now Carolina is about plus 1,200 to win the Stanley Cup, and I think uh, that would be a good bet. I think they're going to be a very, very tough team to beat in the playoffs.
3: Can you imagine if it's Carolina and Toronto in the final and David Ayers gets to play again? Oof.
1: Wow. I don't think that'll happen, but that would certainly be a storyline. <laughs> I um, I I can, there's, there's people in Edmonton who are hoping for a Carolina Edmonton Stanley Cup final, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if the Leafs, it'll be interesting to see if the Leafs can get out of this division and then should they, what they will the future bring? They better. Well, you know what? Uh, Winnipeg's going to present a challenge. I think they're, yeah, that's the only team that's really going to present a challenge.
3: I, I, yeah, you're probably right, but the Leafs are better and they better, they better win. It's time.
0: Anyway, Yeah, they better. The pressure is on. Absolutely. Steve, go ahead.
4: Yeah, Chris, just uh, quickly too, uh, I know uh, my son Paul uh, had uh, Zaga going all the way in the NCAA uh, March Madness. He's pretty put out about the performance they put in the final, but uh, uh, how much upsets were there betting-wise in that, especially with the lopsided score?
1: Well, so... On the actual final, when it came down to that day, most people were taking the Baylor spread. They thought that Baylor was getting too many points as an underdog there. And certainly it turned out to be the case. Um, But during the tournament, um, you know, the the number of underdogs that won was was, almost unprecedented early on. We still had two one seeds in the final. And then, of course, Gonzaga was a public favorite all the way through. And um, well, we all know what happened. I mean, uh, Baylor was just flat out the better team. So um, I don't think the final game was was so much of um, uh, an upset for for the sports books. But I think the way it happened was a little bit surprising and uh, everyone expected the total to go over. I think it was 159 points and, and we missed that by seven or eight. So Uh, If you had the stones to bet the under in that game with two really good offensive teams, um, it worked out for you in the end. But uh, yeah, it was a great tournament, great tournament overall.
0: It absolutely was. And uh, speaking of great, it's just a great time of year to do bets and cool. bets. your place to go. Uh, I will admit I have been a degenerate the last week with baseball back on. I have been sprinkling cash all over the place. Remember, guys, NHL trade deadlines coming up. Like Chris said, they're going to have props up for that. Uh, there's baseball, world men's curling, WrestleMania, which is completely real, Clarky, and uh, lots of other great stuff to bet on. Abbott, as always, buddy, we
1: appreciate this. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. My pleasure. Fellas talk soon.
0: All right. Remember you can listen to this show on Friday nights at six on CKNX AM 920 CKNX.ca. Unless the Leafs play at seven, then we will start at five 30 leading into Leafs pregame at six 30. Remember you can catch every single Leafs game and their pregame shows on CKNX. KNX AM 920. You can catch all the Jays games on CKNX AM 920 as well, unless they conflict with the Leafs. Leafs get priority, unfortunately, Jays fans. Sorry about that. We do what we can here, but they're going to play a lot longer. Well, maybe not too much longer, Clarky, for your sake anyway. Uh, you can find us on all the best podcast apps. Follow us on social media. You can watch the show Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman, debuting Friday nights at 9 on YouTube as well. For myself, Ryan Drury, that's Clarky. That's Steve Saber, And That's our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. We appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co.